0: Welcome to the Legacy House podcast. Our mission as a church is to equip people to know God, live free, and find purpose. We express the mission of our church through adoration, biblical teaching, creativity, and discipleship. We have prepared this message for you, and we know God is going to use it to minister to you wherever you are and in whatever situation you're going through. Hey, but we're happy to have you here today. God's going to God's going to, I really believe, speak to us. And hopefully, uh, as you've been a part of this last month with us here, you've really enjoyed and you've grown from this series that we've been doing. Called woke, And if you have no idea and this is your very first day, I would still encourage you to go to the website. You can download this 31-day devotional. It's not specific to January. It's not like a New Year's resolution type of thing. It's just simply about walking in a new depth and a new strength in your relationship with the Lord. So if you haven't done it, you can go to the website and download that from our resources page. But we're really kind of wrapping it up. We've got a couple days left and really kind of week five, even though it's not a full week, is really application is what we talk about, is how do we take all of these things that God has been speaking to us, how do we take all of these things that we've been feeling inside of our heart and actually begin to apply them to our life? It's one thing to be a hearer of the word, but it's another thing to be a doer of the word. We have said that a thousand times at the beginning of this year, and we'll probably continue to say it a thousand more. Why? Because it's great for us to receive and to hear the things of God. It's a completely different season and strength and power and authority in our life when it goes from something that hits our ears to something that is actually lived out and acted upon inside of our life. So for us today uh, that's what we're going to really kind of dive into is the application really of these last few weeks and what does that look like? How do we carry that into this next season? How do we carry it through the remainder of the year? Um, we've been fasting during this time. We've been reading during this time. And what it's hard to do often is it's really easy to start. Um, it's really easy to get excited in the moment, but it's a lot more difficult to actually complete something. It's really easy to be like, oh, man, this is going to be amazing. I have this woke devotional. it's super sick. And you're like five days in and day six, you're like, Yeah, but I'm just like tired this morning, and I just, I mean, I want to, but I'll read it tomorrow. And then it begins to be pushed off and off and off and off and off and off. And then what we realize is we have a whole life history of things that we started but never finished. We have a whole life-like history, a whole rap sheet, if you will, of things that we were like, man, this would be so great, and wouldn't it be so cool, and all these like great expectations that never really developed into what we believe they could, or what we believe that they would. Uh, if you've got your Bibles, we're going to go to Romans chapter 9 this morning. Romans chapter 9 is where we're going to spend a little time in the Word today. And uh, man, I, I, am, I am excited. I, I, we had our, our girls' uh, first birthday party was yesterday, and uh, their birthday is actually Wednesday, but we had their first birthday party. And this time a year ago, we were sitting in a hospital room Waiting for a baby to not be born Uh, because they're like the the doctor. We got there on Friday, right? Was it Friday or Saturday? Whatever day we got there, um, she was kind of really ready to go into labor, but they the doctor uh, said he was going to monitor the situation which meant it was Friday, and I'm not coming in. Uh, like, that's that's exactly what that meant. I'm going to monitor the situation from the golf course. Uh, and so, there, there, it was kind of this moment, well, any moment, you know, he, he'll probably come by. Well, we didn't see the guy till Monday. Uh, and, uh, and so, we kind of sat around all weekend long at this hospital in the middle of nowhere, Lake Charles, and uh, it was tiny. It was like, it was like, you ever... It was just a very small hospital. I didn't realize that hospitals could be that small. I thought they were like, I don't know, safety or health reasons. We probably need to have more than four people in here. Um, but uh, it was at, at night. They let us stay in the hospital, which was pretty cool. And, and so we... Um, uh, we would go down and we would, we would talk to the birth mom and stuff, and she was eating pizza and cheeseburgers and like, had her legs all wrapped up and stuff. It was, it was awesome. Uh, but it was funny because we, we were in this room and we would come out of the room at night and we would go to get something to drink or something, and there would literally be no one in the hospital you talk about yeah you want to talk about like something that like freaks you out and is just kind of super weird is like it's when you walk around the hospital at night and you see literally no one and you're like there's no one in the rooms like there's no nurses and you're just kind of like meandering around like i guess we could go in here and you just start opening doors and like we found like i think it was like the nurses break room i don't know but we found this room and it had all these like little like cran apple juices in little plastic cups, look like a pudding cup, but they put juice in it. Best juice I've ever drank in my entire life. Uh, anyways, but it was it, it was it was crazy because a year ago today, that's where we were. We were sitting waiting for our, our girls to be born, and uh, we had the party yesterday, and it was awesome. Thank you for everybody who came. But um, it's just an exciting season. I, I feel as the pastor of the church, I think it's it's it, it's good for me sometimes to say this because I think you can maybe walk into a room and you can watch. People and you can begin to make judgments based on what you see, uh, and I can tell you what I, I see when I look around the building is I see um, a level of excitement that I've never have personally been a part of a church that I feel that um, where I I know like I could count I could call out a dozen people if not more in this room who I know right now are actively involved in seeing the gospel um, reach people. Uh, not just receiving the word, but giving the word. Uh, not just getting frustrated because, you know, uh, the latest devotional didn't come out, but like you're ready to give what God has freely given you. So Romans chapter 9, is where we're going to go. And uh, it's going to be a good, good day. Romans chapter 9, let's start reading in, uh, in verse 30. Romans chapter 9, verse 30 is where we're going to go. Um, a slight bit of housekeeping real quick. Um, all of the kind of year-end contributions uh, will be going out this, uh, by the end of this coming week. So and just in case you wonder and you're thinking about tax purposes, we can talk now as a family. Okay, now it's off the table. All right, so just in case you wanted to, we didn't put that up there. All right, uh, Romans chapter 9, verse 30. So, so what does all this mean? a great question in the Bible, right? Uh, so what does all of this actually mean? Uh, and so, so, so what does all this mean? Even though the Gentiles were not trying to follow God's standards, they were made right with God. And it was by faith that this took place. But the people of Israel who tried so hard to get it right with God by keeping the law never succeeded. Verse 32, it says, why not? This is because they were trying to get right with him by keeping the law instead of by trusting him. They stumbled over the great rock in their path that God had warned them of this in the scriptures when he said, I am placing a stone in Jerusalem that makes people stumble, a rock that makes them fall. But anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Can we just pray really quick? Father, we thank you today. God, we thank you for your word, that it's living and it's active. God, it's going to speak to our life. Lord, I pray that our hearts would be ready to hear, God, everything that you have for us today. Lord, we love you and we give you praise. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. I I love this verse because uh, for a lot of reasons. One is the fact that the way that it starts, where it says, what does all of this mean? Um, I don't know about you, but I've said in some services where I've got to the end of the service and I've thought, yeah, but... What does all of this mean? Like, what exactly were we trying to say? I feel like we just spent an hour and a half Uh, talking around the issue rather than actually talking at the issue. Um, I'm the type of person that when I get nervous, I I kind of talk in a circle rather than going directly towards the issue. Once I muster up enough courage, I'll just go directly towards the issue. And sometimes I go a little too hard, a little too fast, and I just start kicking stuff over and bust through the other side. Uh, But it's important that we understand really kind of what the, the writer here is trying to tell us in the book of Romans, where he says, what does all of this mean? I think it's a great question for us. It's a great question as believers. It's a great question as people. What does all of this mean? When you look at your life, when you look at what's happening around you, when you look at what God wants to do in you, what does all of it mean? What does all of it mean? What does it mean that you come to church on a Sunday morning? What does it mean that you tell somebody about your relationship with the Lord? What what does it mean that it's important to be not just a person who receives, but a person who gives? What, What does it mean? What does it mean? Does it mean that, like, if we do these things, God will love us more? Does it mean that if, 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 we, if we think about what God has called us to or said it to or, or, or the promises that he's given us, like we talked about earlier in the month, does, does, does that mean that I'm right with God? Like, well, what does this mean? And I think for us, if we can answer that question going out of this series, then I think we can really actually have something that impacts our life. You know, I, I believe that the generation that I'm a part of, kind of the millennial generation, I'm on the, the, the north end of the millennial generation, but um, that doesn't mean the older end, it just means the, the top side of it, where, you know, the cream rises to the top. <laughs> whatever. But what I do believe about my generation is I believe that my generation kind of gets dogged on a lot. Um, and, and it's always like, well, these kids, you know, um, and... And, 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 you know, they need to understand whatever, whatever. But what I do know is, is I, 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 don't, I, I do know that my generation doesn't need to be convinced to love God. But what my generation is actually looking for is something that's really simple to give, which is authenticity. Yeah. The problem is, is that authenticity requires you to be transparent. And what has been created inside of church culture is a lack of transparency rather than transparency. The more that you look the part, you really don't have to be the part. There's a lot of 20-somethings in this town who are hungry and searching for something, but what they're not searching for is a group of people who act the part but don't actually live the life. Who 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 can talk about like well praise God hallelujah amen like they know all of like the great Christiany phrases to say and you talk about like the latest Christian worship album but it's not actually a transparent part of who your life I heard a pastor say not too long ago a couple weeks ago actually that really what the church needs more of than anything else is someone who is willing to be authentic. You know, I think that in our lives and in our world, it's easy to get surrounded by the things that seem right rather than the things that are actually right, the things that cause us to look the part rather than the things that actually make us that person. And so when we look at this life of application, what it means to be the type of people who actually begin to apply who God and what God is doing in our life, it requires something from us. We have said all along, and we're only six months old as a church, so it's amazing to look around and see this many people in a room and see what God is doing. And there's even bigger things that have been happening behind the scenes that we're excited as a church to 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 share with you in the next few weeks and months. And it just to say that God is moving in our house would be a gross understatement. To say that he's, like, I'm just telling you, like, when we begin to tell you about some of the things that are happening already, it is going to absolutely blow your mind. Why? Because God wants to advance the kingdom. And what he's looking for is, is not people who will talk about how to advance the kingdom, but people who are actually advancing it. Our city and our world does not need more people who can actually talk about being a Christian if they're not actually a Christian. Who can just talk about, hey, you know, uh, 18 years ago when I was... No, like, what is it right now for you today? The different things that we do. We have the, 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 um, the Valentine's Day outreach that we're going to do down at the same place that we did the thing for the homeless. We're going to do a Valentine's dinner uh, for them uh, on the 13th, which is Monday night. And uh, it's awesome. And we've got the Easter stuff coming up. that's going to be crazy. Uh, all the different things that are going on. And you look at all of these things together. And what we have to begin to ask ourselves is we can think about it on a macro level, application. Wow, I'm a part of a church that gives to people. I'm a part of a church that serves the needy in their city. I'm a part of a church that believes in community. I'm a part of, okay, those are all great things, but what about you? I believe that God cares more for you than he does the organization. Like, let's take a minute, pause there, and think about that. I believe that God cares more for you than he cares for this organization. Because at the end of the day, this is a building. At the end of the day, it's just a stage. It's not supernatural. The guitars don't play themselves. You know, it's not like Beauty and the Beast where all the things start moving and come to life and sing songs when we're gone and put themselves away. Like, see, remember in Beauty and the Beast when, like, the cups are washing themselves? The stage doesn't just magically come out and, like, do a song and dance on Saturday night and, like, put itself together as it prepares for Sunday morning. No, someone physically put this out here. Uh, But what we find is is that when God begins to move in the ordinary things inside of our life, it's easy to just check out because He's doing it with us. But God doesn't want to just do it with us, He wants to do it with us you. He doesn't just want this to be a thing that applies to people's life, but he wants you to apply to people's life. So here the writer says in Romans chapter nine, he says, but what does this mean? I've got a lot of those moments with God where I've looked across the table figuratively from the Lord and I've said, but what does this mean? Driving your car, sitting in your house, weeping, crying, laughing, whatever it might be. But God, what does this mean? I, I, I hear you, but it makes no sense. And this is the reason why they were confused. Let's read down a little further there. It says, even though the Gentiles were not trying to follow God's standards, they were made right with God. So this is where the confusion begins to happen. So even though the Gentiles were not trying to live right, they were made right with God. It says, and it was by faith that this actually took place. Verse 31, it says, Uh, It says, but the people of Israel who tried so hard to get right with God by keeping the law never succeeded. Second question is in verse 32. Why not? Why not? That is an important question for us to answer today. If If we leave this series not answering this question, we will not understand how to take what we have received in these last 31 days out of this moment and into our life. It says, why not? This is because they were trying to get right with God by keeping the law instead of trusting in him. Because they were trying to get right with God by keeping the law instead of trusting in him. Here's what's interesting about this verse. The writer says, hey, look, uh, I'm soups confused right now. And this is why. I'm confused because these guys, some of you are like, what is we talking about soup? Uh, i uh, like I'm confused because these guys are not even trying to live right. And somehow, they're being made right. And I am trying to break my back and follow every detail and letter of the law, and it is not working. I have heard this from so many people for so many years. I'm trying to do everything within my power, and nothing is changing in my life. I'm giving it my, you know, whether it was in youth ministry or now leading an entire church, Pastor Curtis, I'm giving it my very best. And nothing is changing. I'm repeating the same cycle. I'm doing the same thing. Nothing is changing. The answer is found in Romans chapter 9. The difference between those who were religious, those who, the Jewish people who were trying to follow the law, was that there was now a new order that they had been called to live under. The law led through the Old Testament. It's not that we cut out the Old Testament and we only preached, you know, the New Testament gospel. It's a complete and total word, the Bible is. But what you find is, is that when Jesus came, things changed. In the same way that when Adam fell, things changed and required a second Adam, which was Jesus found in the New Testament, when he was crucified on the cross, things changed again. And those who were religious had a hard time following this trend because all of a sudden, what we've been giving our life for, I've been sacrificing for. The, 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 the blocks that I've been using to build are building something that will not remain. I'm giving it everything. I'm packing the sand in there. I'm trying to do all these things to construct a life that pleases the Lord. And every single time I turn around, God is not there. I'm giving it my all. But the thing that you weren't giving is often our heart. See, the thing that threw the religious leaders off was the fact that the Gentiles were just simply that, Gentiles. They were literally dogs in the eyes of the Jewish people. Like, yeah, Baruch Atah Adonai. Like, that's great. We love the Jewish people, and that's awesome about Jewish culture. But at the same time, they had a, it was a major, major roadblock in Jewish history to get over the fact that God could use someone who was unclean and unworthy. And how many times... Is that the truth of our own life? That we look around and it's like, man, I feel good about God using me because I know the work that I'm putting in. But God using them? No. No. Come back to me in five years. When you've walked through the things that I've walked, you know how many chairs I've moved in my life? Like, like We have these, like, we have these like, ideas and these like, preconceived notions about what it means and how someone can be pre-qualified for being blessed by God. It's like buying a home or buying a car. We create this application process for someone to actually be used. An application was not about a pre-qualification, but it was about an understanding that what God actually wants to do in your life is not something of a law value, but something of a faith and a grace value. It was interesting, I saw an interview uh, this week where this guy, he actually used to live here in in Pensacola, and a few years back, he wrote a book um, kind of combating the grace gospel, and he ripped all these guys apart who preached about grace because he said that he just, you know, he, he, it, was, it was destroying the, the inner workings of the church. And he released this article uh, this last week or within a couple of weeks here. And he, he, one of kind of the primary figures who talks about grace a lot in, in the Christian world, he never actually interviewed for his, his book. But he cited this guy's work and he began to like kind of try to dis- dissect his work. And he began to try to like expose the error inside of his work. Well, he finally decided that it was probably good for him to actually sit down with this guy and begin to talk about the gospel. And what he realized was he wrote this whole article and piece that was really great because what he said is, yeah, there's some things we agree about, yeah, there's some things that we disagree about, but the fact of the matter was I was wrong. He said, I wrote about a guy's heart without ever taking the moment to actually listen to it. I made my judgment about what he was trying to say. And he kind of goes on to say, you know what, I was, I was profoundly surprised that what I thought the heart behind what he was saying was was completely different than what the heart actually was. We all understand that he, I think the thought behind it often is that people who preach about grace are giving out like, you know, like, feel-free-to-sin type of cards, where it's like, you know what, there's just grace. Grace covers a multitude of sins, in Jesus' name, amen. Like, like we talk about all these types of things where it's like, well, that's great. You know what, it, it, it's just under grace. It's under the blood, brother. Like, I, God knows my heart. Well, yeah, he does know our hearts. And what happens is when he begins to transform our heart, things actually begin to change inside of our life. See, here was the difference between the religious leaders in in Romans chapter 9 and those who were Gentiles. The difference was that the Gentiles actually loved him in their heart. The Jewish people loved the idea of him. They loved the rule and the ritual of him. They loved the fact that by loving him made them better than someone else. The system that they had created separated them, not only from man, but from God. The system that they had created separated them from this thing that was so life-giving and hope-filled and completely free that the application process for them had gotten gotten askew. Because all of a sudden what really mattered was Are you pre-qualified for this life? That's That's how the Jewish people saw it. He says, what does this mean? Hey, hey, look, they're not ready. Who says? Who says? You? Why? Because they haven't moved enough chairs? Because they haven't suffered enough? They haven't been hurt enough times by church? They haven't been disappointed in leadership enough times? They haven't been what? Like, they, what? They love the Lord. And God is moving in their life. We overcomplicate the gospel a lot because we like the feeling of being elite. We do. I do. I've overcomplicated the word of God because if I overcomplicate it and I begin to talk about things that you don't know what they mean, then all of a sudden I've put myself in a position of spiritual superiority. But What you realize is that the gospel was made simple to all who were willing to hear what Jesus taught in parables. Jesus could have don't you think that Jesus could have like blown the minds of the people who listened to him? Like I mean, if I was Jesus I would have had the time of my life. I would have been putting on a show. Like, I, you know, like, I would have had angels doing tricks. Like, I would have been, like, creating stuff and then making stuff disappear. I'd, like, make somebody disappear and make them reappear again. I'd, like, make them skinny. then make them fat and just change. Like, I'd doing all kinds of things. Like, because, like, that would be my, like, because I would feel the need to show off the spiritual superiority of me. But all of that comes from is a root of insecurity. Jesus didn't preach a gospel that overcomplicated who he was and what he wanted to do. That's why he taught in parables. Jesus talked about farmers because farming was a, a main commerce of that day. He taught in the language of his time. Look, let's don't get confused about how Jesus reached people. He reached people where they were and what they were doing might think hey wouldn't it be a better use of church dollars you know for us to buy you know whatever rather than actually you know handing out a bunch of pizza and giving away different things at a skate event like couldn't we have used money for more spiritual things yeah you know what we we, we could have probably used money for more spiritual things but guess what we probably couldn't have used money that would reach more people so what do we want to do like what do we want to do i feel like so many times god asks i mean i'm a kind of a dramatic person slightly sometimes occasionally but I feel like that's how God often interacts with us. So, so what do you actually want to do? There's a couple of things I think we find from the scripture. Is this The first thing is this. We have to give the Lord, the first thing is this. The first thing is we have to give the Lord our heart before we give the Lord our head. We have to give the Lord our heart before we give the Lord our head. I had a Bible teacher here at, um, at PCA who told me one time, he said, a God understood is no God at all. I can understand you. If I spend enough time with you, I can understand you. And you the same thing with me. You could understand me. Why? Because I'm human. I am finite. But often we get caught up in the moment where we try to understand every single element and nature of God. And if we could understand God, then he isn't God. He's you. He could have a job at the Whataburger drive through because he could be understood. Nothing against Whataburger. God moves on those fries, he does, but (laughs) nothing, nothing bad. But here's the thing, is that if we could understand God, then he is not God. Because for him to be God, his ways have to be higher than our ways. His thoughts have to be higher than our thoughts. So if we're actually going to have a life of application, then what we have to find is we have to be actually willing to let this be something that takes root in our heart, not just something that makes sense inside of our head. Look, our city, I remember there was a pastor who came to our worship night a few weeks ago. And he's like, look, he's like, you all are going to kill it in this town. And I was like, and he is a pastor at a Baptist church here in town. And I was like, okay, that's great. He said, you're going to kill it in this town. He said, why? He said, let me tell you why. He said, because you're actually getting out and doing something. And it was humbling to me. It meant a lot to me because you know what? Often when you're in ministry, it's easy to get caught up in all the other stuff and you often don't want to give anybody else who does anything similar to you a compliment because then that might mean that God loves them more and you'll remind God that they exist. You know what I mean? Like you ever done that? We're like, I don't want to compliment. God will remember then he'll really bless them. You know what I mean? Like, so you're like, hey, I mean, you're all right. Like, you know, like whatever. Like we kind of live in that world. And so here he was like, generously giving out a compliment. And he said, you know, he asked, he said that their church would love to partner with anything that we did. He said, because I just want to be a part of actually doing something. Oh, wow. Wow. Man, what we need is not another great message. Right, man. If we put a dollar amount, if we, gave, if we collected everybody inside of this city who has heard a message and gave them a dollar for every message they've heard, we could erase the national debt. We are not short on messages, but what we are short on is a heart transformation. They were so confused. What does this mean? Does this actually mean that this has to take root in my heart? So you're saying that nothing I've done for the last 15 years has mattered. All he wanted was my heart. My heart. That was it. But often it's the life that we can live is a counterproductive life. You go to the gym and bust your butt, but if you go home and you eat hamburger helper, I love hamburger. I love hamburger. I literally love hamburger helper. (laughs) Folks, I'm speaking from my pain and my problems, all right? So like I'm not talking about you, I'm talking about myself right now. Man, that ultimate cheeseburger Mac, like don't talk to me about your life. I'll tell you about mine. Like (laughs) Anyways. I'm telling you though. Like, you can bust your butt at the gym, but if you go and eat something completely unhealthy, it doesn't matter what you did, because it's not your whole life. We're okay with a task, but we're really, 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 really shy to give him our life. I'll give him 15 minutes. I'll give him an hour. Look, I'll even show up early and put this stage up. I'll give him my stuff, but I'm not actually going to give him my heart. God does not care about whether or not he has your head because he understands that you will never understand. And the the more you think you understand, it's like women, okay? Uh, Like, here's what happens. Before you're married, you think you know a lot. Before you're married, you think, I I know a lot of things. I'm like, I could be, you know, I got this. Then you get married and you realize, I'm an idiot. (laughs) kind of what you realize. And if you're single here, you're like, no, not me. Yeah, okay, great, wait. Um, and, then, and then you get, you know, you have kids and you realize you know even less. And it's just this whole culmination that really God is just shoving you down the hill of complete dependence on him. Um, you know, uh, like, it's just like, no, you're going to, I'm going to literally just kick everything out from underneath you. And it's because we live in this world this idea that we think if we can understand God, then that means that I'm actually living this thing right. I love people who don't understand God. Why? Because it's much easier to tell them about the Lord. And my God wouldn't do that. Well, the God that you serve is a God you've created with your own hands, not the God of the Bible. Yeah, you're right. Your God wouldn't because your God is not God. And we live in this world. I'm just telling you, I'm speaking from my own personal life. I'm not, I'm not coming at you. I'm coming to myself. We live in this world. we've created these idols and these images and these systems and these structures and we wind up looking up one day one day and we say but what does this mean i've given it everything and it's not it's not it's not changing because god wants our heart he wants your heart the second thing we stop finding the scripture Look all the way down. And it says, and it was by faith that this took place. Verse 31, says, but the children of Israel who tried so hard to get right with God by keeping the law never succeeded. Why not? Because they were, trying to get right, they were trying to get right with God by keeping the law instead of trusting in him. They stumbled over the great rock in their path that God warned them of in the scripture when he said, I am placing a stone in Jerusalem that makes people stumble. Put a pause right there. That person is Jesus. Isn't it interesting that the word, one of the things the Bible says about Jesus is that he would cause people to stumble. You know what I've seen in this season of my life? I've seen people stumble over what church actually should be. (laughs) Wait a minute. You want me to actually do something? You want me to actually be in a relationship with someone? You actually think I need a circle? You actually think I should be in rela- community. It's great. You young kids in your community. <laughs> but I told somebody at the, uh, there was a, uh, a lady at, at, the, at the, the birthday party yesterday who she's my senior in age. And she said, you know, she said, I'm just really proud of the way that you guys are leading the church. She said, you and Bethany are just doing a great job. I said, you know, I, said, I really appreciate this. It means a lot. I said, you know, I said, I said, I'm young, I said, so I, I expect to look around and see young people. I said, but it matters to me. I said, I want you to take a moment. I want you to hear me with your ears. It matters to me that you're here. So It matters to me that a person of your age is at Legacy House. Because we've said from the very beginning, folks, this isn't a young thing. And it's not an old thing. It's a kingdom thing. So then in, if inside of the kingdom, what are we going to find? We're going to find everyone. Every age, every race, every background. Every gender, there is, this isn't a male-dominated thing. and It's not a female-dominated thing. This isn't a white thing and it's not a black thing. It's not a young thing and it's not an old thing. It's just this is a kingdom thing. So what I believe is is I believe that God can move in your life like he can move in mine. And I believe he can speak to you like he can speak to me. And I believe the things that you've walked through are not just for not to be thrown away because you know what? One day when I was 12 years old, I walked through some really, really difficult, challenging things inside of my life. And I guess God just wanted me to keep that to myself the rest of my life. No, he wants to allow the things that you've walked through to actually begin to impact someone's life. And it's great if we know it in our head that God loves me and he cares about me. But if it never takes root inside of our heart, then it never begins to produce fruit in who we are. And the second thing that you see is is God wants to start with our attitude before he ever cares about our action. I know a lot of people who've moved a lot of chairs who are really, really bitter people. I know a lot of people who have served the Lord for years and for decades or for weeks. I've been doing this for a month. I need need a a month break. (laughs) What are you talking about? We say all the time, we're going to continue to say it until it gets inside of all of our spirits. We don't rest from ministry. We rest for ministry. We don't rest from ministry. We rest for ministry. We rest so that we can minister. And that happens inside, first of all, of our attitude. I can do the right thing and have the wrong attitude, and it's the wrong thing. Oh, it's in this Episcopal church. <laughs> but it's the truth. Because we don't want to think about the fact that God cares more about my attitude than my action. It doesn't make sense in our brain. With the God that we've created, he cares about my service. He doesn't care about your service if your heart's not right. right. Your action is like, you know, hitting a brass wall if it's not actually followed or not followed, preceded by a good attitude. We don't get the opportunity to just do things and then go back and apologize every time. You ever heard people say it's better to ask forgiveness than permission? As easy as that is, it's completely untrue. Because it'd be much better for you to ask permission and then have someone of wisdom say, you know what, that's probably not going to go the way you think it's going to go. And save you from something. Rather than for you to get out there, get slapped upside the head by the enemy. And be like, where is God? He was, back at, he was back at the beginning where you decided to leave him. He's waiting, ready. When we serve a God, which messes with people's head, and I love this fact, and we're going to close with this, the, the band, can, they can come back up. But the third and the final thing that you see there is found actually in Romans chapter 8. In verse 18, and we kind of sang the song around it this morning, which I didn't realize we were doing, but that's awesome. Um, Romans chapter 8, verse 18, it says, Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory He will reveal to us later. Romans chapter 8, verse 18. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory that He will reveal to us later. goes on in verse 19, He says, For all creation is waiting eagerly. For the future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Man, he cares about our heart before he cares about our head, he cares about our attitude before our actions. And then he wants to lead us into the place to where we go from glory to glory. You and Bethany were talking about this this morning before we came to church going from glory to glory, season to season. You know, we're completing the time here together as a church where last 31 days, we've been really seeking after God. We've really been just diving into what the Scripture says about us and, and what the Scripture says about this life that we've been called to live, our purpose, our uh, 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 prayer, all of these different things. But what if we begin to look at fasts or these types of seasons differently? What if that it wasn't something that we counted down to the end of so that we could return to how we used to be. Right. Yeah. Rather than being a block that we build on. What if the thing that God asked you to give up. In these last few weeks or days. He just simply wanted you to give up. He didn't want you to give up to give it back. But he just wanted you to lay it down. You know that's a. That, it's a very biblical principle. But it's an it's a untaught an easily ignored principle. Because we love the idea of seasons. I hate the cold, but it makes it a little bit more bearable because I know the sun is coming. And then when you're sweating around, riding around in your Toyota Corolla with your windows down, like on that force fast, like where you're dropping weight, like, you know, whatever. like It's great because when it begins to get hot, then you can begin to look for the cold. And the cycles repeat over and over and over and over and over again. What if? What if? What if what the word says about taking us from glory to glory to glory? It's not cyclical. It's not that we walk in a circle and eventually we're going to get back to the same glory. Understand me there. It's not like we've got our, our winter glory and then our spring glory and then glory 2018 and then Supermount glory and then the eagles screech glory and then, then we, we got to go back to the regular glory and then he's gonna, and we continue to repeat a pattern like this table we just go around and around and around what if what God wants to do now he wants to just build on over and over again wouldn't that be just crazy if what God asks from us He just wants us to lay down and walk away. What if he knows that that will serve you no good the rest of your life? Maybe he's dealt with you about your diet, and maybe the reason he's dealt with you about your diet is not so that you can go back to those things in just a couple days, but it's because he's trying to prolong your life. He says, if you can give me this now, I can extend your days. Maybe he's dealing with you about your attitude because unbeknownst to you, you've actually been off-putting to the people who you've been called to reach. Maybe he's been dealing with you about the media in your life. The time you spend on your television, the time you spend on your phone, the time you spend distracted, He's asking you to lay some of these things down, not because we live in this religious society and mindset, but because he's trying to clear up the distractions so that you can actually hear from him. Crazy, isn't it? Isn't that crazy? God actually wants to speak. But sometimes in the noise of our life, he can't actually get a word in. Look, you might be addicted to drugs right now, bound by pornography, stuck in a moment in a season that you think, I don't know where God is. Guess what? The super good news of all this is, is that like the Gentiles, if you're willing to give your heart, your attitude, he can begin to lead from glory to glory. I believe that you could be in the midst of whatever might seem like the darkest, deepest sin, and you're a moment away from being used by God you got years, you decades, you've got 12 conferences, three prayer tunnels. You're a decision. And maybe no one's wanted to tell you because it's easier to fund their ministry by telling you that you need to be dependent upon them. The only person that you need to be dependent upon is the Holy Spirit. If you're dependent upon me, you're doing it wrong. And if I'm dependent upon you, I'm doing it wrong. If we become codependent in this thing where you need me to encourage you on Sunday and I need you to continue the dream God has placed inside of my heart, we're both missing it. But here's what I do know. I do know the fact that if we actually live this life, you know what people are interested in seeing? They're actually interested in seeing people who actually live this life. I'm not a perfect individual, folks, of bad days, I Have moments of weakness. I have times where I'm like, God, I just don't understand. I find myself often in that part where I'm like, what does this mean? It's great, but what does it mean? It means that the system we probably created in our mind might not actually be the system that God has laid out for us. It means that we can serve with the wrong spirit. Means that we can give with poverty inside of our heart. It means that we can love because it looks cute on Instagram. I'll tell you what will separate Legacy House from every church, not just in the city but across the country. There's people inside of it who say. I'll go broke for this thing. I'm not talking financially. I'm be like scared. I'm like, Wait, I, don't, I got kids. <laughs> I, got, I got a college. I you know, like, bills. I understand. I'm, not talking, I'm talking empty out your bank account. Some of you are like, I knew it. That's all they wanted. Set me up for my money. That's what we got to the end. But broke from an earthly standpoint. The where nothing you have matters more than God. You can take it all. And if I have him, I have enough. And give me that life. That's crazy to think, isn't it? Maybe God is not trying to build palatial sanctuaries. Maybe what God is trying to do is actually to equip people because if I can equip you for the work of the ministry, then you will equip someone else for the work of the ministry. And then that person will equip someone else for the work of the ministry. You know why our church is growing? It's because you're invited. But I thought it was the Holy Spirit. It is. It's the Holy Spirit working in you. It's not a cloud over the building that people drive by. I've not had a single person who's driven by this building. And said, I just I sensed something in that building that led me to that place. No. What happened? Your life was impacted by something very ordinary. Maybe a friend who said, hey man, I go to this church, it's new, it's called Legacy House, you should totally come with me. And you were just crazy enough to actually come. Maybe you got a flyer in the mail or you saw a handout or a mailer somewhere and God used a stupid piece of paper. I'll tell you the thing I have not understood like the most in the season of planting is how many people have come to our church because of a mailer. Like God, this is a dumb piece of paper. But it's the proof that God uses ordinary things to reach people in supernatural ways. If I had never sent out a mailer, some of you would have never been in this building. It's crazy to think, man, because it seems dumb. I wrote that check thinking, this is dumb. <laughs> like, when he called me and told me how much I had to pay, I wrote out that check and was like, we'll see. And you're here. Isn't it funny that sometimes when we just open our mouth and tell somebody about the Lord, we think, this is dumb. They're never going to come. And you're like, hey, you should come with me to church sometimes. It's whatever. <laughs> like, I, I smoke less than I used to, okay? Like, I, like, a, like half a pack a day, and I used to, now I use a filter, okay? Like, I, it, I'm a work in progress. <laughs> We create these worlds where it's like, well, I guess we should go. And God can even use our half-hearted attempt to reach somebody completely at the core. Well, application is doing. I want to challenge you to do. We're a church that invites people. We are bringers. We bring people to the kingdom of God. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. You can find more info and resources from Legacy House on our website, www.legacyhouse.life or by following us on social media under the handle at LegacyHouseFL. Don't miss next week's podcast, From Our House to Yours.